Chapter thirty one of Joan Thursday by Lewis Joseph Vance. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. So it seemed that all men were much alike. Joan knew but two types the man who lived by his brains and the man who lived by his wits, but had no more hesitation in generalizing from these upon masculine society as a whole than a scientist has in constructing a thesis upon the habits of prehistoric mammalia from the skull of a pterodactyl and the thigh bone of an ichthyosaurus they were all much alike if you knew how to get round one kind you knew how to win over the other there was a merely negligible difference in the mode of attack you appealed to their sympathies or to their sentiments or their appetites and if these failed you appealed to their pride in their self-assumed role of the protectors it was no great trick once you had made yourself mistress of it by this route joan achieved the feat of looking down on matthias and that was not wholesome for the girl leaving her world destitute of a single human soul that commanded her respect she had needed only to stir up his jealousy of marbridge and his innate chivalry as if she didn't know what arlington's companies were like the facts were notorious nobody troubled to blink them arlington's employees least of all it wasn't their business to blink the facts a girl without following had as little chance of securing a place in one of his choruses as a girl without a pretty figure but of course a handsome girl with a good figure joan glanced in a shop window en passant but she saw nothing of the display of wares the plate glass made a darkling mirror for the passers-by joan could see that her refurbished travelling suit fitted her becomingly even though it was a trifle passe she hurried home and changed it and hurried forth again to keep an appointment with hubert fowey they dined at a pretentious hotel in an orange garden whose false moonlight and tinkling artificial fountain manufactured an alluring simulacrum of romantic night despite the incessant activities of a ragtime bitten orchestra and the inability of the ventilating system to infuse a hint of coolness into the heavy superheated air joan had little appetite the day had been too overpoweringly hot but she was very thirsty and fowey provided a brand of champagne less sweet and heady than she would have chosen and consequently more insinuative during the meal billy salute appeared at a table across the room and invisible to fowey whose back was toward it but still not far enough removed to prevent joan from recognizing that look in the dancer's eyes which she resented so angrily she didn't once look at the man but she never quite lost sight of him and was well aware that he was ridiculing fowey to his companion an actor by many an indication but a stranger to joan provoked she demonstrated her contempt of salute by flirting outrageously with fowey unconscious of her motive that aspiring little dramatic author lost his head to some extent now and again his voice trembled when he spoke to her and once he mumbled something about marriage but checked at discretion and let his words trail off inarticulately joan was not to be denied what did you say she demanded 
with her most distracting smile oh nothing of any importance muttered fowey his face reddening but you did say something i only caught part of it hubert i want to know it was the first time she had used his given name i-i only wondered if you were married he stammered you talk so cursed little about yourself does it matter she parried surrender in her eyes he choked and gulped on his champagne but you're not are you he persisted what's that to you he hesitated and changed the subject fearful lest his tongue compromise him what shall we do now don't say a roof garden let's get out of this infernal smother i vote for a taxi ride to manhattan beach joan assented leaving they passed salute's table joan gave the dancer a distant and chilling greeting and swept haughtily past ignoring his offer to rise the insolent irony of his eyes was incredibly offensive to her they said i am waiting i am patient i make no effort i am inevitable she swore in her soul that she would prove them wrong in the taxicab fowey made some sliding reference to the dancer he's the devil joan declared with profound conviction but she wouldn't explain her reasons for so naming him when occasion offered in the more shadowed stretches of their course to the sea fowey attempted to kiss her but she would have none of him then fending him off by main strength and raillery and she was pleased with the discovery that she was stronger than he yet another evidence of the inferiority of man at the beach fowey ordered a claret cup joan demanded an ice and drank sparingly but when again in the motor-car homeward bound she was abruptly smitten with amazement to find herself in fowey's arms submitting to his kisses if not returning them for a time she remained so and let him talk love to her it was pleasant to be wanted arrived at the little flat she had to prevent fowey's following her in again by main strength slamming the door in his face bolting the door she turned to a mirror to see what a fright she must have looked but it seemed a radiant vision that smiled back at her she thought hazily of hubert fowey that kid she murmured not altogether in contempt but almost compassionately it was a shame to tease him so not until the next day that dawned upon her consciousness amid the thunders of a splitting headache did she appreciate how far the affair had gone penitent she vowed reformation she wasn't going to let any man think he could make a fool of her much less that conceited little whippersnapper as it happened she didn't see the amateur dramatist again for some days he too had vowed reformation and on much the same moral grounds her appointment with matthias for wednesday at four joan failed to keep and since that was her own affair and since she had not left him her address matthias kept to himself the word that he had for her and in accordance with his original intention ordered the bar harbor express that same evening and forgot new york for upwards of ten weeks it had rained all day tuesday and wednesday was overcast but dry and by contrast with what had been cool dressing for her interview with matthias 
joan donned a summery gown of lawn liberally inset with lacework over her shoulders and bosom a frock for the country house or the seashore never for the broadway pavements none the less it was quite too pretty to be wasted on matthias alone she set out to keep her appointment with an hour to spare purposing to employ the interval by running at leisure the gauntlet of masculine admiration on broadway as far south as thirty-eighth street for this expedition she would have preferred company but hattie having looked her over announced that she couldn't dress up to joan's style didn't mean to try and didn't care to be used as a foil furthermore it was much more sensible to loaf round the flat in little or no clothing at all and read up on pinero from the astor theatre corner joan struck across broadway to the eastern sidewalk chiefly to avoid the throng of loungers in front of the bryant building it is good to be admired but joan had little taste for the form of admiration that becomes vocal at once intimately and publicly halfway down the new york theatre building block she turned abruptly and scuttled like a frightened quail into the lobby from the back of which turning she was able to see without being seen by quard brief as the term of their dissociation was in mere point of elapsed time joan had so completely divorced herself from her husband that she was actually beginning to forget him physically no less than mentally she was beginning to forget him an outcast from her life he no longer had any real existence in her world by some curious freak of sophistry she had even managed to persuade herself she was never to see him again thus it seemed the most staggering shock she had ever experienced to recognize the man's head and shoulders looming above the throng before the entrance to the moving picture show just south of the lobby to the new york theatre proper but quard hadn't seen her he was with companions a brace of vaudeville actors whom joan knew through him but while she waited for them to pass two other friends accosted the three directly before the lobby entrance and they paused to exchange greetings quard slapped both newcomers on their shoulders and kept his hand on the last he slapped bending forward and engaging their interest with some intimate bit of ribaldry he had been drinking joan saw that much at a glance not heavily but enough to render his good fellowship boisterous otherwise he looked well he was hardly to be identified with that sodden wreck which had been brought from the barbary coast back to the woman he had insulted and abused his color was good his poise assured he was wearing new clothing a loud shepherd's plaid effect which joan couldn't possibly have forgotten no one could possibly have forgotten it and he had acquired a dashing panama hat which at least looked genuine at that slight distance useless to have wasted pity on the man he had fallen but not far and he had fallen on his feet joan eyed him with fear despair and loathing had he come to render new york too small to contain them both she skulked in the farthest corner of the lobby in shadows not quite round the corner of the elevator shaft where she could just see and ran least risk of being seen and waited but the group on the sidewalk seemed to have settled down to a protracted session when quard had finished talking and the laughter had quieted down 
another fixed the attention of the group with a second anecdote of what nature joan could well surmise of course it was only a question of time before quard would propose a drink then she would be free to proceed to her appointment but through some oversight the suggestion remained temporarily in abeyance and joan was unlucky in that none of the policemen appeared who were assigned to the business of keeping actors moving in that neighbourhood after a minute or two quard shifted his position so that he could by simply lifting his eyes have looked directly into the lobby at this joan turned in desperation and entered the cage of an elevator which happened just then to be waiting with an open gate there were several theatrical enterprises with offices on one of the upper floors no reason why joan shouldn't wait in one of these until it would be safe to venture forth again there was arlington's for instance joan's was no strange figure there she had long since made several attempts to see arlington or one of his lieutenants but her professional cards borne in to them by a disillusioned office-boy had educed no other response than mr arlington says there's nothing doing just present but it was as good a place as any for joan's purpose and there could be no harm trying again the same world-weary boy received her card when she entered the suite of offices he considered it and joan as well dispassionately who'd you want to see he mumbled with patent effort joan's prettiest smile was apparently wasted upon the temperament of an anchorite mr arlington please the boy offered to return the card he ain't in that's what you always tell me he ain't never in very well said joan sweetly i'll wait the boy started to say something pointed hesitated regarded her with dull suspicion and suddenly inquired what you want to see him about a matter of private business ah drawled the boy with infinite disgust that's what they all say an embittered grimace shaped upon his soiled face listen he said almost affably if you'll think up a good one i'll fetch this into his secretary now could anything be fairer than that i'll go you joan retorted falling in with his spirit tell him a friend of mr marbridge's wants to see him she esteemed this a rather brilliant bit of diplomacy and at the same time considered herself stupid not to have thought of it before but it failed to move the office boy his head signalled a negative have to do better than that he announced if i fell for every wren that claims she's an intimate friend of mr marbridge but i am a friend of his truly i am joan insisted warmly the boy rammed the hand into a trousers pocket betcha he began but reconsidered you never can tell about a skirt he reminded himself audibly but just to prove i'm a sport i'll go ya motioning joan through the door of the reception room he shambled off with an air of questioning his own sanity the reception room was perhaps thirty feet long by fifteen wide an interior room lighted and none too well by electricity ventilated when at all through the doorways of adjoining offices a row of cane-seated chairs was aligned against the inner wall in the middle of the floor stood a broad and substantial table of oak 
it was absolutely bare here and there a few unhappy lithographs yellowing life-size photographs of dead or otherwise extinguished stars and a framed playbill or two of arlington's earlier ventures decorated the dingy drab wall there was no floor covering of any description in this room herded some two-score people of the stage waiting hopefully for interviews that were as a rule granted to not more than one applicant in ten a heterogeneous assemblage owning a single characteristic in common whenever at the far end of the room the door opened leading to the offices of the management every head turned that way and every voice was hushed in reverence yet it was seldom that the door disclosed anything more unique than a second office boy even more dejected than the first who peering through would after examining the card in his hand for the name of the applicant painfully recite some stereotyped phrase worn smooth mr brown your party says to come back next week miss holman your party's went out and won't be back this afternoon miss emerson mr arlington says everything's full up just present call in again or more infrequently mr grayson is to step in please joan found a vacant chair she had no hope whatever of being admitted to the presence despite the unexpected condescension of the office boy marbridge's name might prove the open sesame but she doubted that vaguely it wouldn't be her if that happened the atmosphere was stifling with heat complicated by stale human breath and the reek of perfumery all stratified with layers of tobacco smoke which entered over the transoms of the communicating offices above the muted murmurings of the unemployed's apprehensive voices could be heard the brisk chattering of two or three typewriting machines and telephone bells rang incessantly near and far one taking up the tune as soon as another ended the throng of applicants shuffled their feet uneasily expectantly morosely joan was so uncomfortable and oppressed that she was tempted to rise and go without waiting for the discounted answer only dread of encountering quard restrained her the longer she delayed the slighter the chance of finding him still in front of the theatre her thoughts drifted into reverie dully coloured with misgivings she thought of charlie quard as a bird of ill omen whose appearance could presage nothing but suffering and disaster ignoring altogether the truth that through his good offices alone however tainted with self-interest she had been suffered to enter into the profession whose ranks she had elected to adorn with that other truth that she owed him for the clothing she wore the food she ate the very roof that sheltered her and meant never to repay the voice of the second office boy chanted her name twice before she heard it miss thursday miss joan thursday joan started to her feet yes the party you asked for says please to sit this way End of chapter thirty one